0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: This is being Bumo. A podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring but also willing to share with us how it really is because as we all know parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier a little less stressful and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Hello, Boomos. Today, I am joined by the Amanda Klutz. If you don't know who she is, you guys have been living under a rock because she is so incredibly inspiring. She is a woman of many talents. First and foremost, she is a mother to her son, Elvis. She's also a celebrity fitness trainer, co-host on the show, The Talk, and also New York Times bestselling author of her book, Live Your Life. Amanda opens up about her recent experience and her journey on losing her husband to COVID-19 and how she faced grief. I remember following Amanda during this time as she was documenting the process of her husband as he tested positive for COVID-19 and then went into the hospital for three months, which eventually led to the death of her husband. I remember thinking, wow how hard it must be for her to be able to so bravely share this intimate and this vulnerable time with all of us. I was really inspired by her story and knew I had to bring her on here because I wanted to know what motivated her to really get through these hard times and what inspired her to share this really vulnerable moment with in such a public eye. So many of us are going through life changes during the season and hearing how she was able to be transformed through this process was really, really inspiring and something that I personally needed to hear. She also shares with us how she started to live her life after hitting rock bottom and some things that really helped her along the way. With that said, here's our conversation. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to Being Bumo.
0: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: I am so excited to be chatting with you today. You know, I've been a longtime follower of yours and just seeing your journey is so inspiring. So I'm really excited to be personally chatting with you. Um, But for starters, I always like to start off the podcast with something that I personally am really, really curious about. And that is what is the most memorable parenting moment that you've ever had?
0: Oh, you know, gosh, this is a good one. Um, it was it was the first night we brought Elvis home. He started crying at, you know, I think 1 a.m. or something, 2 a.m., you know, in the middle of the night. And Nick and I, you know, you wake up immediately because your baby's crying, and we could not calm him down. I mean, the tears and the screams, and it's night one at our house, and we're kind of freaking out and we can't figure it out. And my, I, you know, I was breastfeeding, but I hadn't, I didn't have my pump ready yet. And my boobs were like hard as rocks. And I didn't know what was happening because the first time you breastfeed, I feel like you don't really know what you're doing and no one really can prepare you for it. It's crazy. And so I remember like going into the kitchen and like opening the pump and being like, there's no time to sanitize anything. <laughs> I just gotta, I gotta get this pressure out of my boobs and get some food into this kid. And poor Nick is trying to figure out what's going on with Elvis. I mean, it was probably gas, right? But we didn't know. And we're freaking out, we're freaking out. And it, and Nick and I, we locked eyes and we go, stay calm. We've got this. We're not each other's enemies here. We're in this together. <laughs> And it was like, it was in the moment of chaos in a moment where we could have just been like, you do it. No, you do it. No, no, you're doing it wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, where we could have been yelling at each other. He made me like focus in and be like, we got this we're okay. And we got through the night of course. And the next morning we said to each other, we were like, we did it. Like we did it last night. We were parents. Like, We got through it together and we didn't argue. We didn't scream at each other. And we had, it was just such a, um, I don't know. It was just such a good lesson of like, this is going to be a wild, crazy ride. And we don't know what we're doing, but we can lock eyes and acknowledge that and, and get through it together.
1: I mean, it's mayhem, right? Like the minute that you like birth this child, they just hand it over to you as if you read the manual and you're just like, um, what do I do here?
0: Yeah. And the (laughs) hospital is such a protective zone and I had a C-section. So we were there longer. So you get, you know, you get to like this, like, Oh, everything's wonderful. And my bed moves up and down and the nurses come in and check on me and hand me the pills that I'm supposed to be taking. And then you get home and nobody's doing any of that for you. And you're just like,
1: Ah! Nope. (laughs) It's all you. It's all you. I always say that. Enjoy the hospital while you're at it, because once you're out of there, it's like a war zone. But- obviously we all get through it and no no one, you know, no one ever not gets through the first day or the first week that you're home, but it just feels so long. So yeah, totally feel you on that. Thank you for sharing that story. So Amanda, before we dive into it, um, can you share a little bit about yourself and your background? And I know you have one child and how old is your child?
0: Elvis just turned two June tenth. So yes, I have one little boy, Elvis Eduardo Cordero. Myself, I've had about 20 lives, I feel like. Um, I'm currently 39 years old living in Los Angeles, but I was born and raised in Ohio, lived in New York for 19 years, performing Broadway film, TV, Radio City Rocket. Then I became an entrepreneur, started my own fitness company, um, and then moved to Los Angeles and started a t-shirt company with my sister. And now I'm a talk show host and a New York Times bestselling author. So... Uh, I guess I'm uh, I'm a myriad of uh, many different lives and people and things.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you like literally from that list, I think there was 20 different things in yeah. different <laughs> like industries that you're a part of. And that's incredible. Was it always kind of part of you where you just had many different interests and it was something that you've always known about yourself or just kind of happened?
0: You know, I think I always knew I wanted to be a performer. In sixth grade, I wrote an essay about wanting to be on Broadway and, and being a Radio City Rockette. So I, I knew that. And then I think what New York does to you and what being a performer does to you is that it does keep you on your toes because you go to auditions every day and they need something different all the time. You know, like, can you, you know, play the trumpet and you just, yes, yes, I can. And, you know, uh, can you, are you okay doing voiceovers? Yes, I absolutely. Yes, I can. Can you read off a teleprompter? Absolutely. Yes, I can. And so you're just kind of constantly reinventing yourself just to stay in a job. So I think that's just been a part of my life. I
1: see. And is that how you met Nick is through performing?
0: Yeah, we met doing a Broadway show, Bullets Over Broadway.
1: Oh, that's incredible. So you've been such an inspiration to so many of us during COVID. I personally started following your journey before COVID. So I knew all the amazing fitness stuff that you're doing. uh, And I absolutely fell in love with kind of your energy and your enthusiasm and all the amazing workouts that you do. But, you know, you kind of happened to land on people's radar during this unfortunate time of COVID and not in a way that... You you've ever expected. And you bravely came out with your story on loss of your husband, Nick, during COVID. First of all, sending my condolences to you and your family. And if you don't mind sharing with us kind of that experience and how it happened and why you decided to come out with your story, because you didn't share your story after you've gone through it. You're sharing it while you're going through it. And that's a different place Emotionally, you're just like grieving at the time. So what made you want to share your process during it all?
0: Yeah. Well, I'll give you the answer that I knew when I did it. And then I'll give you the answer. Now looking back retrospectively, while it was happening, I was already on social media a lot. I had a fitness company that I ran Basically, through social media. And when COVID hit, I turned it all into a subscription series online. So, a huge chunk of my life already was a very public. I share everything on social media. And I had, I had what I thought was a very big following, 50,000 followers. I was like, you know, very, very proud of my following. So I was very loyal to them and, and to giving information and sharing workouts, et cetera. Well, so when Nick got sick, it was kind of like a twofold. I was constantly on social media, sharing workouts and positivity, Well, you know, the pandemic was beginning, but on the other half, my husband started to get sick and was having, you know, his only symptom of being sick, which was laying on the couch and being tired. And then he was in the ICU. So part of me felt like I can't lead this double life of like being on social media every day, being this sunny, happy workout girl, and then you know, have this secret part of my life that my husband is suffering in the hospital. You know, I'm not that kind of person. i'm I'm very honest and I share a lot of my life. So that just felt wrong to me. But then even more so than that, you know, we were all in this state of such fear in the beginning of March in twenty twenty we were glued to our televisions. I mean, you'd wake up and and go to sleep to the news because everybody was so scared about what was happening, symptoms. I mean, you thought if you walked outside, you could get this virus. So Mm. when Nick was just tired and sleeping, I just felt a responsibility in sharing that, you know, this was his symptom. He's now in the ICU and they're testing him for COVID and they think that he's got it. So it was more so just an awareness. Then, unbeknownst to me, because no, we didn't know how this was going to play out. It just kept spiraling and kept getting worse and worse and worse. And that responsibility just felt like, I just felt like I had the responsibility to keep everybody updated. It just felt like we, again, if if, it, it was, it was a time in our lives where we were all in it together, the entire world, we were all going through the same thing. And we were all looking for help and we were all looking for advice and we were all looking for things on what we could do to prevent it, what we could do to help people that we knew that had it. And so I just felt that responsibility. It's funny that you asked this question because now retrospectively, I was just talking to a therapist yesterday and I asked him this question about why I did, why I felt better after sharing information every day about what was going on because it really did help me. I would be in a horrible state of mind. And then I would get online and give like the daily update about Nick Mm. and then receive like help and love in return on, you know, over Instagram. And he was like, you did it, Amanda, because there is power in community. There is power in having reinforcements, having people that have got your back, that are hearing you, that are seeing you, that are listening to you and responding to you. That's power. And it feels good. It makes you feel better than being alone. You know, when you're going through something really, really hard alone, it's harder. So he was like, you, you felt better after sharing information every day because you, you had this community behind you and you felt like you were a part of something instead of being separate in something.
1: And isn't that interesting how the tables almost flipped? It's like you were trying to help your community at the time. When in fact, as you're going through it, they were the ones who are supporting you. And it was almost like you needed them to kind of lift up your spirits. And so was that kind of something that you didn't expect coming out of putting your journey online? Like the outpour of just support that you got?
0: Everything that happened from putting myself online is—I never expected any of it. I never expected thousands of people to join me every day at 3 p.m. and sing. Maybe the first day I expected it, but not 95 days in, or still now to this day. To this day, if I say I'm going to go sing live at 3 p.m., I, you know, 30,000 people will join me and sing. I mean, like it's crazy. I never expected any of it.
1: And do you feel like because you become so vulnerable to your audience and just so open, you live an open life now, like it's an open book at this point. Do you feel like people want to support you more than ever before because of that reason?
0: Well, I think that, you know, I think what it was is that there was a part to this story that just is so unbelievable, you know, and not fair, you know, no, like, it never feels right when a young person is taken from this world. You know, it never feels right when that young person was a healthy man. It never feels right when that young person had a family, a new family, when they were just starting out. You know, I think that there was just a, a part of our story that you know, there was a part of our story that someone could grab onto, you know, whether you were a parent, whether you were a young person, whether you were somebody who was close to their family, whether you had COVID or had had COVID. And the more public it became, I think people just started to relate to us and and the whole story.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that it was and still is emotionally such a, time of grief for you and your family. And you just had a little baby. Uh, is it 10 months? Elvis is 10 months old. You said now,
0: uh, he was 10 months when Nick went into the hospital. He just turned two. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Time flies. He's two now. So I like in my head, Elvis is like a baby because it just seems like you just announced that you had the baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like he's no. He's like, wait, what? He's walking and talking? No.
1: <laughs> wow. I have a two-year-old too. So it's it's crazy times, but so just they're so the precious at this age. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love I can't. This morning I was driving him to preschool and I was like, Elvis, say I love school. And he was like, I love school. And
1: I was like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Life is actually happening again, which means wearing real clothes is also happening again, which I'm so excited about. So if you're anything like me and you've kind of forgotten how getting dressed is like or have a ton of events coming up or kind of blah about your current wardrobe or finding your old reliables just aren't fitting the way they used to. I mean, I feel ya. So let me put you on to Newly, a monthly clothing rental subscription. Every newly subscription includes your choice of any six styles you want to rent each month. You choose whatever you want for whatever you have going on and it's totally up to you. You get access to thousands of styles from more than 100 brands, everything from party dresses to premium denim and one-of-a-kind vintage pieces, newly stocked styles in a range of sizes from petite to plus size up to 5X, plus maternity, which is amazing. They carry all the good stuff, labels like Love & Lemon, Love Shack Fancy, Lisa Says Ga, Free People, Anthropology, and more, all of my favorites. They have fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning, a newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to ever worry about. That is literally music to my ears. And also, you get the option to buy what you love at a discount, sometimes up to 75% off. I mean, Amazing. And guys, on top of that, they have maternity and post-maternity wear. I mean, no offense, but the biggest waste of money, in my opinion, is buying maternity clothes, knowing that you won't fit into it in a couple of weeks or months. I mean, I'm totally guilty of this and I wish I discovered Newly earlier. Newly carries everything you need to get from just popped to postpartum in style. Also, the savings is quite incredible. I just purged out 50% of my closet and I thought, ugh, how wasteful is this? Most pieces I've only worn one to three times. Ugh, newly shared closet helps curb that must buy something new feeling you get when there's an exciting event happening or when you just want to feel fabulous while still giving you new things to wear. It's fun, sustainable, and flexible. Now you get to explore different kinds of styles and trends without feeling guilty and without any commitment. Free your closet of only wear once impulse purchases. We've all been there. And buyer remorse, but renting them instead. Newly is already a great value at $88 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BOOMO20. Just go to N U U L Y dot com. That is Newly with two U's and enter the code BOOMO20 B U. U-M-O-20 at sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code BUMO20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes.
0: I'm Lexi. I'm Shannon. I'm Tiffany. And this is the Six and Nine Podcast. Family dinner is at 6 and pre-drinks are at 9. We're serving laughs, cocktails, and lots of stories we probably shouldn't share. In this multi-generational mother-daughter podcast, nothing is off the table. We're unfiltered, uncensored, and undone. You can catch a new episode of 6 and 9 every Tuesday anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you are invited.
1: And so how do you, how did you deal with that grief? And you know, you're, when I talk to you, you're just, So positive and optimistic, and I'm I'm sure you're still grieving at this point, but how are you able to move forward and how were you able to continue to quote unquote, live your life? No pun intended. That's the name of your book. Was there a pivotal moment where you're like, I just have to live my life now. This is my new reality. Like what was grieving like for you?
0: Oh gosh, Grie- You know, grieving is uh, especially in this way. You know, you know, losing a spouse. It's you can't prepare yourself for it. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's nothing. Um, I've lost grandparents. It's in, It's you know, to me, not comparable. You know, it's just it's something that you just don't know even how to handle it or what to do until it's happening. And what helped me through it. I would constantly think what Nick would want me to do. That was always a a helpful thought to keep me moving and keep me looking forward. Elvis is a huge help to me because he doesn't know what's going on. You know, he does not understand what has happened. And so in his little brain, it's a new day where mom and, you know, mom and Elvis play all day and it's smiles and happiness. So I had to be that person. And Nick's mom gave me that wonderful advice in the hospital. She said, Elvis is going to help you a lot because he still wakes up every day like nothing's changed. So he was a huge, huge, huge help. You know, honestly, I I post positive quotes on my Instagram every day. and, And the one I posted today really resonates with this question. It says, when you've hit rock bottom in life, you can, you have two choices to become 412 bones on the ground, or you can land like an Avenger. And it's a Jake, Jason Sudeikis quote. And he says, I choose to land like an Avenger. And I, I do too. It's how I've always lived my life. I land like an Avenger, no matter what it is. If my Broadway show closes the next day, I land like an Avenger. You know, it's like you you keep, keep, keep picking yourself up and get back up again.
1: I love that. And, um, Actually, I heard this recently. There's something called post-traumatic growth. I mean, we hear a lot about PTSD, but post-traumatic growth is something that not many people talk about. And obviously there's resilience, which basically means that you hit rock bottom and then you get back up. But then post-traumatic growth is you hit rock bottom and you transform when you get back up and you become better even though it's not the same person, you become better, stronger than what you were before. Do you feel like you went through post-traumatic growth during this process?
0: Oh, yeah. I, th- I mean, I, I think you just, um, how I said it recently in an Instagram post is that you reinvent yourself because you have to. You have no other option. There's no other option. Even if you are purposely trying not to reinvent yourself, you will in reinvent yourself because you have to, your life is not the same. And I think any trauma is that, you know, once that trauma has passed, you reinvent yourself. Even if that reinvention is just that I I had like, you know, six months where I could not get out of bed. That in itself is also just a reinventing yourself because that wasn't who you were before. So, um, but no, I mean, I think that, you know, I'm just I'm big on reframing and reinventing.
1: <laughs> mm, I love that. So I I like that you also mentioned that you couldn't get out of bed because I think a lot of people on social media, they might look at you and be like, Wow, she's so incredibly strong. And she she's like superwoman. She is so resilient, right? But what a lot of people don't see is the things behind closed doors. And so I would love to normalize that where there is a process of transition, right? Where it's like, you don't want to do anything. You know, I'm personally going through a lot of changes right now and there's just like weeks and months where I just like laid in bed and I didn't want to do anything. And I just like, couldn't get around to getting myself motivated enough to do anything. So can we talk a little bit about that for yourself?
0: Yeah. And you know what, here's the thing. I actually think that that you know, a lot of people will think that period will hit you right away, you know? Like they'll think, oh, your husband passed away, right? Um, July 5th, so, you know, did you just spend all of July in bed? They think that that's when it, like that's when grief would hit you, right? Right away. And for me, it was exactly opposite. I, I kept just like maybe dissociation, maybe I was, you know, uh, delaying the inevitable, but the massive like weight came after like four weeks for me. And I was, uh, I I was just kind of in a state of like, I called it my astronaut state where you feel like you're in an astronaut in space, you're in the suit and you're floating and you're just kind of like, this and you're looking down at the earth that's spinning and moving and life is happening, but you're like outside in space, just kind of floating and you can't, and everything's sort of muffled and nothing's really like making sense. That hit me like four weeks after. So you know what I mean? Like that's the thing, grief, trauma, it's all a roller coaster ride and no one can tell you how to ride it. No one can tell you when those hills and twists and turns are going to come because it's your own ride and we are all different people. But I think if we're going to try to normalize it, we just talk about it more, talk about our individual grief roller coasters that we go on because no one's is the same. And I think people don't talk about grief a lot. They don't want to talk about loss. They don't want to talk about the hard things in their life. But for me, sharing my story has helped me so much and hearing other people's stories helps me feel not alone when I feel alone in my grief because grief can be so lonely. And when other people tell me their sad stories of loss, it it sounds weird, but it, it helps me feel better. It helps me feel less lonely.
1: It's like part of the healing process to be able to share your story and also hear other people's stories. And Yeah. I I always say that it's never a linear path. You know, you have point A and point B, but the amount of times that goes up and down, it's like, you just never know, but don't give up in the middle, right? Like just don't give up because you're all of a sudden feeling the grief that you didn't feel in the beginning, as you mentioned. And so, yeah, I think it's incredible that you were sharing while you're grieving. And so I'm sure that you've helped out so many people during that time. And which also brings me to my next point, which is your book, Live Your Life. And I heard that you wrote that book in six months, two weeks after the passing. What what made you want to write that book? I mean, two weeks is quite a short time since the passing of your husband, where you like, I, I need to remember this while it's happening or did you want to just share your story? Like what made you want to, to to write your book?
0: Well, when we decided to write the book and, you know, we, we got a, the book, Collins came to us and offered us a book deal, Anna and I. We definitely had a timeline. You know, they definitely said, you know, we would love to, to see the manuscript by December of twenty. 20- 20. So, you know, Nick passed away in July when I um, started writing, I was in Ohio. And to be honest, I first started writing because there was just so much in my head, you know, medically wise, medical terms, medicines, dates, times, doctor's phone calls, what doctors said, what, you know, what we did, why we did what we did. I didn't want to forget any of that stuff. And it all meant so much to me. All of those details meant so much to me. And I knew I would need them for the book, but I also just knew for my own head, for Elvis to read one day, I wanted to make sure I had that all written down before I forgot it because I have a really kind of I have a photographic memory and I have a good memory. But a month later, three months later, six months later, I couldn't write this book with that amount of detail that's in the book now because it was just so in my head. I, I literally could have thought that I could have joined the Cedar sinai medical staff. That's how like I was in it to win it. And so, I mean, I couldn't have, you know, but that's where you think you get yourself to. So that's why I started writing it so quickly. And Anna, you know, was just the perfect companion to do it because she was with us. In LA, she had been a huge part of Nick and I's relationship and she's an incredible writer.
1: Mm. And Anna's your sister, right? Yes. Older or younger? Younger,
0: seven years younger.
1: Oh, okay, nice. It seems like you did it also for yourself and also for your son because it's something that you want to eventually have him, you know, read and remember what you've actually went through you, you guys together, because Elvis went through it too. He just won't remember it at this age, but why did you decide to name it, live your life? Because it's almost the opposite of what you had to go through. Right. And the title is very optimistic. And why did you, how did you guys land on that name?
0: Well, I think the, Most obvious answer is it's the the name of Nick's song that everyone's saying every day at 3 p.m. That's the most obvious answer. But I think then the underlying answers to all of that is that the pandemic made us all really look at life, right? Who was in our lives, what we cared about in our lives, what we did for a living, what we were losing because of the pandemic, what we were gaining because of the pandemic, And it just kind of like made everybody take a microscope to their life and see how am I living my life? And do I like how I'm living my life? And should I live my life better? And then I think like when you lose life, it makes you want to live life a different way. You know, it forever changes you. Forever changes how you you live your life. Um, So I think all of those answers kind of made it the perfect title for the book.
1: So how would you say you live your life now after loss?
0: Oh my gosh. I, I don't take a day for granted. I, um, I don't take a day where I don't thank God for all the blessings in my life. I don't take a day where I don't tell the people in my life how much I love them. I think I kiss Elvis probably 2000 times a day and say, I love you about the same. Um, he's probably like, get away from me, mom already at two, but I don't let frivolous things, petty things, stupid arguments get in, in, in the way. I really cut through bullshit now. I'm just like, what What are we getting at? Where are we going with this? I've taken to- toxic people out of my life. Don't need them. Don't don't need their energy. You know, all the things that are frivolous and, and noise. I, I, I can't take noise in my life anymore.
1: Do you feel like you've been able to kind of prioritize yourself and your family and like what's more important now versus like you know, cause you just moved to LA. I feel like LA is the epitome of like, you could get so busy with like social circles and like the industry in itself that when you came here, you're just like in a right state of mind of like, okay, this is what I need to focus on and just move forward with that. Because I feel like, you know, it seems like you cut out a lot of people and a lot of things that you didn't need to have anymore in your life.
0: Well, I think that, you know, this this whole thing definitely did ground me more. I think Elvis, you know, when you have a two-year-old, your life is a bit more grounded as well because it's not like you're like, oh, you're going to go party on a rooftop? I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, that's a, but what time does that start? Okay, let me see if I can find a sitter. They can only stay till nine. I can come for an hour. And it was like, it's not yeah. worth it. Never mind. I'm not coming. So, you know, that is a whole different situation. You know, I think too, the, you know, Los Angeles isn't still fully back up and running the way you would say pre-pandemic it was, you know. Um, and I think for me personally, that's a blessing because those temptations aren't necessarily in your face 24/7, you know. Um, it's more like, oh my gosh, I. I get to go to something really special on July 30th. It's in the calendar and you're like excited about it, you know, because you have like a plan.
1: Well, if you don't mind me asking, why did you move to L.A. during the mess of all this?
0: Uh, Well, we moved to L.A. in um, uh, September and then we went we had to go back to New York in March to kind of close out our apartment and officially move all of our stuff here, but we moved in September for my husband. He really wanted to move out to LA, have a change of scenery, work on his music. This is kind of like where music the music industry is. And he started a job um, doing a show called Rock of Ages on Hollywood Boulevard. So it was, he was definitely the the fueling force of us moving to Los
1: Angeles. Mm. And do you feel at home here?
0: Now I do. Now I love living here. It took me a minute. I did not like it at first. And I had... I had always wanted to live in LA. Ironically, I had toured through LA three times with Broadway shows. I had come here for, um, award shows for filming TV and movies. I loved, I loved LA. And I was always like, I want to live in LA one day. I got to live here. And then when he was like, well, let's do it. It freaked me out so much with a baby, a newborn and my business, my fitness business was all in um, New York. And so it just, you know, I had a big freakout moment. It was a big risk to leave all of that comfort and, and, and you know, take a chance on living here.
1: Yeah, I mean. I I hear that a lot, especially from New Yorkers that make the transition to LA because it's so different. My sister's out in New York and she's like, I can never do LA. So I get that. Okay. So we have a lot of parents that are listening on here. What is one advice you can give parents who are going through a hard time, whether it be loss of a loved one, maybe, I don't know, it's a divorce. Maybe they've just hit rock bottom. Like, what, What is one advice that you could give them?
0: Yeah, my biggest piece of advice is look your children in the eye. So we had this um, beautiful doctor come on the talk, Dr. Anita Phillips. And she made us this exercise where we looked at each other's eyes for 15 seconds, like just stared at someone's, you know, your person's eyes across from you. And it made such an impact on me because you really do feel seen. Like you feel like the person across from you is like seeing you without saying a word. And so I started doing it with Elvis and, um, and I just love it. I call it eye contact. I've made it a game, but I go, Elvis, eye contact. And we like stare at each other's eyes and you can tell he, it, it affects him. Like it shifts his mood. It shifts his energy. He looks like he, 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 I can just tell he's like, mom's got me. And like, and I, and I do, you know what I mean? Because it, the eye contact is so important. And I think as parents, if you look, if you think about it in your day, how often do you make eye contact with your kids and let them know that they're seen?
1: Mm, I love that. I really, really love that. Sometimes it's just those little things that kids need from their parents that they forget about sometimes, right? Like, oh, like I'll play with you in like an hour. Just leave me alone. Right. But then it's like, if you just give them that 15 seconds eye contact, it could shift their mood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Think about how many times our kids are like, mom, mom, I need something. Or like Elvis will be tugging on my leg or something like that. And if I pick him up and I look at him and I'm like, hi, honey, what, what can I help you with? His mood immediately shifts because he was seen.
1: And at the end of the day, that's all they want, right? To be seen and heard I'm and valued.
0: For it. Dr. Anita Phillips, look her up. She's amazing.
1: <laughs> Amazing! I'm gonna have to try that. And as a busy working mama to um, and a single mama now, what has helped you? Like, just get all the things that you have to do in a given day. Like, do you, you know, do you ask for help when you need it? Like, is there anything that has really worked for you? Because I would imagine in a given day, there's a lot for you to do.
0: Yeah, I ask for a lot of help. I hire a lot of help. I have a lot of help, and, you know. Luckily, I have amazing people in my life that will run to help if they can. They are there for me. Um, but I will say I am very good at compartmentalizing my day. When I'm at the talk, I'm doing that job. As soon as I leave, I, I move on to my next job. And then I do that job. And then once that's finished, I get that on my mind and I go, when I get home to Elvis, I'm now mom. Like that's what I do when I'm, I'm there. In the mornings though, like if I'm on a Zoom meeting, I'm doing my workout as I'm doing the Zoom meeting because I know that's my only 20 minutes to get my workout in. And I can do both. I'm a a good multitasker. So I know I can do a workout at the same time that I'm interacting in a Zoom meeting and talking about like what's going to happen at work today. So I would just say like, you know, when you're a single mom, especially time is so limited and it's so important. So literally just like maximize your time. Try to do as many things as you can at the same time so that you're not wasting time and you're getting things done so that you have time for yourself and you also are able to manage all the other things that you're doing in your life. I love that.
1: I, and I need to know what workout you do while you're on a zoom because I, oh, and is your camera on when, when you're working what? out mm-hmm. and on a zoom? So people are mm-hmm. legit watching you working out.
0: Yeah. I mean, sorry. That's like, it. there's no, you know, I, this is my time.
1: That's amazing. I do do
0: squats, I'll do planks, I'll do, you know, arm uh, exercises, I'll do ab stuff. I mean, like whatever I feel like I can do, you know, sometimes I'll grab a chair and do leg stuff with the chair, you know, anything and everything I can do. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) Okay. And one last question. What is, you know, because obviously with the million things I have to do, you have, you're on the talk show, you have your child, you have your own company that you're running, all the content that you're creating. Um, what does self-care look like for you then? Like, because there are times where I'm sure you're just like, Oh, I need a moment for myself. When you do have that moment or when you do carve out those times for yourself, what, what do you do?
0: I go play tennis every Friday. I love it. It's my hour that I give myself outside being taught something. So I don't have to think, I don't have to come up with a plan. I don't have to instruct. I go and I show up, and I get taught, and I get treated. So that's one of my one of my favorite things that I do. I always leave with a smile on my face. I love my weekly tennis lesson, and I love any kind of massage or facial. Um, those are my other things. That I try to sprinkle in as much as possible. It'll be the first to go when I don't have time for it, but um, when I can, I love that. And then I've gotten really big into sound baths and and like meditation. So I've been trying to do those more often because, um, my girlfriend leads me through like hour long yoga nidric meditations. And it literally, and this is coming from somebody that I cannot meditate, like on my own, I really do need a guide at least right now in my life. And so she guides me through it. And after the hours over, it literally feels like the in, like my organs just got a massage. Like it's, it's an, it's an incredible, um, meditation practice. So those are my kind of like self-care things that I
1: do for myself. That's amazing. I'm trying to get into meditation too. And I feel you on that. I'm just like, I cannot like turn off my mind. I cannot sit still here, but I know, I know the benefits of it because I'm such like a... I'd rather do like kickboxing and like, you know, do something really active. But of course, yeah, I'm learning to meditate like yourself. So we're gonna have to share notes on who you go see, because (laughs) I want to check that person out as well. Okay, Cool. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for your time. This was so incredible. I hope that you and I can connect when things are safe again in L.A. sometime. You have <laughs> yeah. to come to Bumo sometime. We're in Century City yes. with your little one. So, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Oh, Thanks, and where can yeah. everyone find you?
0: Oh, my gosh. My Instagram handle is at Amanda Klutz, and my fitness Instagram handle is at Amanda Klutz Fitness. com. You can see me on the talk every weekday at um uh 2 p.m or 1 p.m sorry uh pst and you can go and buy your book. the book anywhere amazon um, bookstores barnes and noble independent bookstores um the audible version is available as well I, I do the audio so you can you can hear me you can read me you can see me you can work out with me
1: <laughs> amazing thank you amanda you're thank amazing you. and such an inspiration right. talk thank soon you so much. Bye. Bye. hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and it would mean the world to me if you took a second to rate review and follow it really is the best way to support the show and don't forget to head over to our instagram for more parenting tips and inspiration at boomo parent and if you guys are looking for high quality virtual education for your little ones ages one through seven years old make sure to check out at boomobrain on instagram or go to www.boomobrain.com we have a wide range of topics that your little ones will surely get so excited about from Dr. Kidd to Chef Math to our foreign language program. We have all sorts of languages. Forbes called Bumo Brain the classroom of the future and it really is the best platform for early learners. Go to www.bumobrain.com to learn more.